The Suffolk Journal podcast is the Suffolk Journal's official podcast. Things may have changed by the time you heard this episode. As COVID-19 closed academic institutions nationwide, including Suffolk University, disruption crept into the lives of practically everyone at the school, and a realization came to the Suffolk community that they were living through history. In this episode, we talk to members of the Suffolk University community that have been documenting the COVID-19 pandemic. This is the Suffolk Journal Podcast. This episode is part one of a two-part episode. Hello, journal readers. I'm your host, James Bartlett, bringing you the first episode of the Suffolk Journal Podcast. In this episode, we talk to Kenneth Martin, a photography professor at Suffolk University, about how he and his classes have dealt with and documented the coronavirus pandemic. This is the first part of a two-part episode focused on documenting the pandemic. In our next episode, we will look at the efforts of the Moakley Archive and Institute to document the pandemic. Enjoy. So, Ken Martin, you're a professor of photography at Suffolk University, that's correct? That's correct. Why don't you just talk about a little bit about how your uh, quarantine's been? Well, my quarantine has been uh, pretty interesting uh, because it hasn't been a full quarantine. Uh, I qualify as uh, an essential worker because of my work in uh, photography and photojournalism. And I happen to belong to a news agency, and I have the agency press pass. So if uh, anyone wants to know, I can just show them that. It's one of the largest agencies in the world. I don't have all the, the uh, uh, Massachusetts uh, passes, but it's not necessary. Once they see that, uh, then everything's okay. So I've been getting out there and covering uh, the COVID-19 story. So uh, what types of photos have you taken uh personally as a photographer during this time during this time yeah uh, personally meaning not for work yeah not for uh no for work like uh, oh, as a professional okay. work uh i've taken um quite a quite a few shots um around uh the hospital areas uh, especially around mass general hospital uh, which happens to be close to suffolk which is uh my neighborhood so to speak and um so i'm I'm a little more comfortable there. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was the point where you kind of realized that this was a historic thing? Well, while we were still uh, in class at Suffolk, um, I, you know, I was a history major and studied political science and other things. And um, I kind of saw it coming. And I knew it was happening because uh, I, I'm a sort of a news hound as well and uh, always pay attention. And um, I realized that this might be something out of the ordinary. Uh, but like so many of us, I kind of, uh, you know, didn't think it could really happen. Uh, but then uh, back in late February, early March, I realized that something was going on. And of course, then spring break came along and uh, and that just uh, changed everything. Now, was that the same point where you realized that this was something that you want your students to cover for their final projects? I know you've taught, I think, I know of two classes. I know me and Caroline both took classes with you this semester, but did you only have the two classes? Yes, I had the two classes uh, this semester. And um, <clears throat> well, 
the classes each structured somewhat similarly. One was your class, of course, was a new class for me, uh, uh, creativity and innovation. And we were concentrating on uh, photo essays. But in both classes, uh, the similarities were that there was a final project needed. And uh, I realized uh, pretty quickly that uh, once we started finding out that people might not be able to get to their final projects for the particular subjects they wanted. Uh, but I, I went back in history and the history for the class was that um, you never know what's going to happen, especially when you're in a major uh, metropolitan area. And uh, the immediate thought went back several years to the marathon bombing. And it was about the same time and students were assigned just to go out and cover Patriots Day. It could be the end of the marathon or uh, some of the uh, Revolutionary War reenactments uh, and uh, other holiday things going on in town. A uh, good way to cover an event. Well, the marathon bombing took place. Our students were around. Uh, they did some pretty serious coverage. And for some time after that, uh, it took weeks and weeks uh, for things to settle down. Of course, downtown Boston was all closed down. And uh, even with our classes, uh, we were able to go out in the early evening or the afternoon when the classes were scheduled. And we went down to Boston Common and saw the first military uh, come down and set up an encampment. We saw all the investigations going on in downtown. And students were able to cover that. So it was a real world event uh, taking place. So I went back to that thought and I, I thought, here we are again. Uh, something major has happened. Uh, and uh, since most of the students in the past had covered the one event because it was so big, uh, and knowing that probably wouldn't be able to cover, go anywhere, guessing that some sort of lockdown was coming, um, it, I decided after discussing with students in both classes that we should do a group project here. Uh, unless you've already completed something that we should uh, concentrate on this major event because it looks like it's really going to be historic. So there was the idea to, uh, uh, for students to cover uh, what they were experiencing uh, during this period. And of course, I'm in the same situation. So I just carried on as I usually would do outside of class. And what was the student's response to this? Uh, to the assignment? Yeah. Students, uh, well, didn't have much of a choice, did they? <laughs> uh, but they were uh, very positive about it. And um, I did get feedback uh, while the assignment was going on. And some people hadn't gotten through the idea that what they were experiencing was a story. What they were experiencing was news. And uh, they wrote to me and said, we don't know what to do. We're stuck in our apartment. Uh, we can see things out the window, but we can't get out there. And I said, what you're seeing and what you're experiencing is exactly what we want. What are you going through? What is your family going through? And what do you see out the window? And uh, then the lights went off. I mean, the, the lights came on and uh, people realized that, yes, we can do something in a more... Uh, introspective way or our immediate surroundings and still still tell a story. So what type of work did you get from your students? One in particular, uh, I mean it was it was varied. Some people managed to get out and others stayed in. Um, 
one student in particular uh, lives in a small town uh, on the North Shore, and she got out and walked through her town, and a lot of the businesses had closed down, but they had all left messages behind. Uh, some interesting, some humorous, some pretty serious about uh, reopening and about everyone taking care and about their concern for their customers. Um, and some with some very uh, uh, poetic uh, expressions uh, and artistic expressions left in their windows. And she photographed that. And it really told the story of that town and what was going on. Uh, she also went to some areas that were now uninhabited playgrounds and uh, public gathering uh, areas to photograph it with, uh, with no one there. Someone else never left their apartment, but uh, from another town, uh, North Shore of Boston, where, the, uh, where things hit very hard, and uh, she was able to photograph lines of people uh, waiting for food distribution. Uh, she was able to photograph her, her, her dog in the window looking out at what was going on all around and her family, how they were spending their time uh, uh, playing uh, board games, uh, uh, doing electronic communications, uh, and just spending time with each other uh, under lockdown. What do you plan to do with the students' work? Um, the plan came to mind that this is work that needs to be seen, an expression uh, that's often used. And uh, Suffolk, people need to see it and it needs to be seen uh, beyond Suffolk. And so the, the original in, uh, intent was to do an exhibit uh, that we could put in either the communication and journalism department or uh, in a larger, uh, uh, in a larger space where uh, more people could have access to it or do an online presentation. So a lot of that takes uh, organization and um, we still have to move ahead with it. I'm still, I'm still looking at the work. It's just uh, so great. Uh, now I'm collecting it all in one large file so that we can, um, we can have quicker access to it. And one thought was to uh, bring it to uh, the university to their news department, which is a good idea, but I've also talked to uh, Caroline, uh, editor of the journal, uh, about doing something through the journal uh, where it can have a really uh, a journalistic um, uh, flavor to it. So um, we have to discuss that more and, and we'll approach things in that way. But these photos really need to be seen. Uh, we cannot, and every semester really, we. we Beautiful work comes out and then it just goes with the student and it's not all uh, appreciated by everyone. But this is a larger than, than ordinary uh, event. Uh, so uh, that's the plan. We can go uh, to publishing and make things uh, permanent and in book form uh, if we want to. Uh, again, it takes a lot of planning and a lot of work. Uh, but I'm just looking forward to doing it and doing it quickly, not letting it. Um, I mean, this is really never going to go stale, but we don't want this to sit too long. So uh, that's the plan to move ahead. So we're going to have some meetings soon and, and decide how to approach this. So what were some of the challenges maybe for you teaching and maybe some of the challenges you've heard from your students and uh, pursuing photography at a time like this? Well, <clears throat> for me, the immediate challenge was to uh, work electronically. I'm uh, 
fairly computer literate for my age and uh, use a lot of different uh, softwares, especially for transmitting photos uh, uh, to agencies uh, using uh, Adobe products like uh, Photoshop and Lightroom to uh, organize and, um, and, and do the minor changes that are needed sometimes if something's a little too dark or too light, we can uh, correct that. Uh, uh, but um, also um, to um, uh, properly organize uh, all of those images. So, uh, and then for teaching purposes, <clears throat> You know, the simplest idea would have just been to teach through, I've created Facebook pages for uh, each class and to communicate through Facebook. Uh, but then uh, very suddenly the, uh, the use of Zoom as a teaching uh, instrument came up. And fortunately, uh, just before everything went into lockdown, uh, the university held a, uh, a small training session. And I attended one of those. And I looked at it and said, this is easy. Uh, it's, it's not so hard. Um, and with a little help from uh, the IT department, um, uh, Jacob, one of the uh, employees there, was very helpful in getting things organized so that we could uh, schedule all the classes uh, ahead of time. And <clears throat> we could even set the recording um, function uh, ahead of time. So all I had to do was open up the class, uh, make sure my camera was working properly and the sound was working and same with the students. And for the most part, uh, things worked uh, uh, pretty well if people had the right, uh, right equipment and good Wi-Fi access. Uh, so um, I wound up enjoying it because I just filled out a, uh, a survey actually from the university asking about uh, how we manage things, how we found it uh, to work. And I was able to turn my, my space into a, uh, a studio and, uh, you know, demonstrate different kinds of cameras and different techniques and, and uh, even uh, show um, uh, through screen share uh, some uh, techniques uh, and even, even uh, books. I was able to, uh, instead of, you know, preparing things ahead of time became very difficult because it was, you know, outside of class time, there was so much else to do. Uh, so I could just hold a book up in front of the camera. I used the remote camera uh, rather than uh, the camera on the computer, which usually isn't, isn't very good. And the remote camera was much sharper and clearer, better resolution. I was able to hold pictures up that I was talking about uh, for students when we were discussing the various uh, photographers in, in both classes. and. Uh, and what their work was like and, and how they approached the same kind of situation that, that we were in. So uh, the teaching uh, became okay. I'm not quite sure how it was on the student end, but uh, uh, class evaluations just came in yesterday and the day before. And uh, given the circumstances, people were pretty happy and rather complimentary with, with the way we handled it. In 2020, we live in a time of like social media and everyone has a camera in their pocket pretty much. Do you think that that's an advantageous thing compared to like, say 1918, the flu pandemic when it wasn't readily available to be able to document experiences like this? 
there are several ways uh, to answer that. Um, firstly, in our, our class, this was really, <clears throat> wasn't the first time I did teach a class in, uh, we called it iPhone journalism or smartphone journalism at the time. I um, haven't done uh, one, one since, but more and more uh, it's being used. But if you are a uh, professional photographer, uh, you're used to using a different set of gear. And these days, the iPhone or the smartphone is a uh, more or less a backup uh, or, or means to transmit photos through your camera as well. Uh, but if you're a professional and uh, you're trying to make a living, uh, the uniqueness of your image uh, is really uh, diluted uh, because there are so many images being put out by so many people, millions and millions of them. Maybe I read a couple of years ago, and I'm sure it's changed since then, that you know, like six billion pictures were being produced a year uh, just on phones. Uh, so that means there's a lot out there for uh, uh, publishers or, or <clears throat> magazines and photo editors to choose from. And in terms of uh, career and trying to make a living, uh, the bottom has kind of uh, fallen out of the, uh, uh, the financial end of things. And uh, so it's become much more difficult for professionals to, uh, to get by. Um, uh, that said, there's always a way to adapt and find a niche or some way of, of doing that to, uh, uh, to succeed. Um, but um, uh, it's certainly difficult. Also, a professional who's a picture maker uh, knows how to communicate in a better method. And even though uh, anyone with a a phone can make a fairly decent picture. Um, it's not always as uh, revealing or as telling as uh, a professional shot would be. And when a lot of newspapers let go their photography staffs and told their reporters that now, okay, here's a camera or use your, use your cell phone, go out and take some pictures when you do a story, uh, that's the way it's going to be they found out pretty quickly that uh, readership dropped off because the photos weren't as interesting and uh, people weren't engaging as much as they would have uh, otherwise. So that's why I said it depends on who you are. Uh, we talk about citizen journalism, which is great. Uh, we can go back to the Arab Spring of some years ago where it seemed that the, uh, uh, the Middle East and the Eastern world was coming out from a lot of um, uh, repression and dictatorship and uh, when uh, when the spring uh, took place in Egypt where the people occupied their Freedom Square for a very long time uh, some of the best photos coming out of that were taken by ordinary citizens because they had access and a lot of Western media couldn't get there uh, for many reasons including the fact that money wasn't available to station people there all the time because already things had turned we're turning down for um, for journalism, uh, and there were some very successful photos, and uh, some careers were made. But in general, uh, they're snapshots, 
and snapshots uh, while honest in that they show exactly what's happening in front of you, uh, do not completely convey the information that a professional might by changing lenses, by giving a different perspective uh, than the, I don't know, the five foot 10 uh, uh, syndrome where everyone just holds the camera in one place and shoots. That's all I have for questions. Do you have anything else that you want to say or add? Uh, sure. Um, it's really important that uh, when we're photographing and when we're working, uh, we do everything we can uh, to be as truthful as possible. More so with a news photographer who's out, something has happened, whether it's the kinds of news that we discuss in class, uh, spot, which is breaking news, um, uh, uh, general news, something that's been pre-planned, or feature news, something that's uh, uplifting uh, image from the local area generally. Uh, those things, these days especially, with, I hate to use the expression fake news, but uh, it's not practiced by most of the uh, uh, general media. Um, but uh, when you're accused of it all the time, uh, you need to make absolutely sure that everything you do is perfect and professional. Uh, however, in the field of photojournalism, things are a little different. Uh, in photojournalism, uh, you can have uh, a cause. You can describe uh, a major uh, issue. Uh, it could be uh, just things uh, uh, coming uh, off my head, um, uh, could be human uh, trafficking or uh, child labor or environmental problems. Uh, those kinds of things uh, you can highlight and uh, you can have an opinion and you can do things to try to make the world a better place by, by concentrating on those. And uh, uh, again, as truthful uh, as possible. And some things that I didn't mention in class that, you know, what are the goals of, of some of our, our lives, especially artists and, and, and people who are engaged uh, with the world? We're, we're, we're seeking out things and we're seeking out truth, but along with truth and uh, comes, uh, uh, I often say truth, beauty, and goodness. Uh, these are things that uh, we should all strive for. And people might put it in, in other ways, but uh, if you keep that in mind, then you can be uh, successful at your work and, and you can leave uh, the world a better place than you found it. And we can do it with our, our, our visual documentation and, um, and uh, storytelling abilities. Whether, uh, as we're doing now, uh, audio, uh, verbal, or, or visual. Okay. Thank you, Ken Martin. Okay. You're welcome. Thank you again to Professor Kenneth Martin. The Suffolk Journal podcast is produced and edited by me. Special thanks to the Suffolk Journal editor, Caroline Enos, for allowing me to take this project on. Please subscribe to the Suffolk Journal podcast, share with your friends and family, and check out the amazing work done by your staff at thesuffolkjournal.com. Thank you. Thank you.